Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today on the podcast, we are talking with Coach Harvey Hyde, share some of his thoughts about his coaching philosophy. We're going to talk about the USC run game, answer all of your questions. We get a bunch of questions, and we'd love to hear from you, so please send them in during the summer workout period heading into fall camp. Lots to talk about with the team, so you can send us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com with any questions you have, or leave us a voicemail, 206-888-6755 is the number, or you can actually do it on our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer. Either way, if you're leaving a message, uh, email or a voicemail, please direct who it's at because we have different guests on the show. We have different days of the week and we do different shows. So let us know who the question is for and we will do our best to answer it. All right. Without further ado, wanted to bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's going on, Coach? How are you? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. It's uh, summer months and uh, we're talking about... Uh, Different things that happened during the summer, stories, uh, highlights, new recruits, uh, just the momentum of getting ready for another uh, football season. I'm looking forward to it. Everywhere I go, Ryan, I was at the San Marino Car Classic yesterday, a car show in San Marino, and everywhere I walked around, uh, when I saw SC people, they all wanted to know, what do I think, what's going on, what about the summer workouts, what about the recruiting class? Everybody seems to be really fired up for this coming football season. Not that they aren't all the time, but I was just talking to a guy at the coffee shop today, and he was talking about uh, what type of cable system do I have. I said, well, I don't have a cable system. I have DirecTV. And he said, why is that? He says, you can't get the Trojans away games. I said, you're right. (laughs) And I don't know when they're going to get that fixed, but uh, I have to go somewhere to watch those games on the road and when they're on the road. And, uh, it is very inconvenient, not just to me, but to all the Trojan fans who have DirecTV. And I don't hear a thing going on, Ryan. Nothing. No conversation, no talk about, yes, they're getting close, or it's going to be a special package you can buy. I really don't know what's going on with that. I just can't figure that one out. I can't either, Coach. And we'll, uh, I guess a month and a half from now, will be the Pac-12 Media Days. Uh, up in Burbank, uh, another uh, movie studio. So we'll get to maybe ask Larry Scott again. I'm sure he'll have to bring it up. It's been you know year after year of not a whole lot of progress on that front. But that's certainly something that's a, a concern for USC fans because that's two home games for sure. But the first two games of the season, Coach, for USC are going to be on the Pac-12 network. I know it's absolutely amazing. You know, Larry always starts his address the first day of media day and tells us how great everything is. <laughs> and uh, he avoids he avoids uh, discussing uh, the uh, you know Pac-12 network as far as uh, Directv. It's just something that it just seems like it's not there. It's not happening. And to have it at the studios again, I always have to give my dig. I don't know who's auditioning for anything if, uh, for the movie parts or anything, but I couldn't think of a worse setting to go to for a media day. Uh, parking problems, walking to get to the area i mean maybe you're big into all of these different movie studios but every single year since larry scott has been the commissioner of the pac-12 
all the media days have been at a some type of movie studio. And I don't get the big deal on that. I don't understand. Rather than having it in a nice setting, in a big hotel where everybody can talk and there's parking, I don't really quite get what the deal is here with him. You know what I mean? No, I do. And, uh, you know, I, it, he's trying to make it a, you know, a, a global brand and he's, you know, uh, marketing internationally, but he wants to, to impress people and show where the Pac-12 is that, you know, you're, you're doing all this in the entertainment capital of the world, even though he has his offices based up in San Francisco. But um, the fact that they do those down here in L.A. for the, for the media days. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, I liked it when they was at the Rose Bowl, even though it was a little hot. I, it's fun to do a studio. I don't mind. It's kind of neat to see that kind of stuff. But when it's a when it's a difficult environment because there's not enough chairs or there's not, you know, there's there's too many times we've done it in a studio and it wasn't good. It wasn't set up well. There wasn't enough room. You People couldn't fit in the places they were supposed to, to go. There wasn't enough seating. And so that's, to me, it's like then you're shoehorning yourself into the, something just to do it at a studio. I think you're, you're first and foremost want to be, you know, make it workable for the media. They're there to work. Not to just kind of look around and, and see, hey, we're in a movie stu- studio. That's pretty cool. It was hard to work last year. I forget which lot it was, Sony or something like that, whichever one it was last year. There was an overflow room, and you couldn't be in the same room. as you know. There just wasn't nearly enough seats and enough. It couldn't accommodate everyone that was there. It's a circus. Why don't you just admit it? I, I'm, in the, I'm the one that tells you the way it is. Uh, I didn't go last year. My plans are not to go this year. Oh, interesting. Uh, it's just not what it's supposed to be. I'll get all my knowledge from publications and interviews and practices and talking to coaches. I don't need to go there. It's a circus. It's not for the media. It's called Media Day. It's for some some other purpose. I, I don't understand it. Uh, it's not like any other conference does. But, uh, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Commissioner makes 3 or $4 million a year, so he's got to know what he's doing. <laughs> Well, we didn't. Uh, this wasn't a topic on the table. We just—I don't know how we start talking about it, but that's cool, Coach. But I wanted—I to... don't know how because it bothered me. That's, yeah, that's why fine. you mentioned it. Okay. Uh, well, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California. And it's only tickets. one day. Wait a minute. It's two days down there. It's two days. Yes, they split it up. And uh, Dan, Dan Weber pointed out that last year USC went on day one and UCLA on day two, and a lot of people came day one and didn't show up for day two. And so Dan's theory is now they've switched it, so USC's on day two. So if you want to show up for day one you're more likely to show up for day two because there's, there's more media covering USC. So that was, that was his kind of theory of everything. I think it is. I think it's true. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to thank our sponsor before we jump into the rest of the show. Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287 if you want tickets for anything going around in Southern California or across the country, concerts, sporting events. You want to go to the theater, check stuff out. You can go to Vegas show. Go to SCTickets.com. And uh, they will hook you up. And coach, and uh, I just wanted, this is like I think our third week of the new uh, podcast format. Uh, we're actually working on a different hosting company and stuff too. So we're going to make a few more changes. It should be transparent to the users, but something that uh, will make it easier for everyone to access the show because we've I put a survey up, coach, on the uh, uscfootball.com message board about how people listen to the show. A lot of people listening with their phones, apps, uh, Bluetooth over. Uh, in their car, so they listen to it on the way to work, and they like the the shorter 20, 30-minute format that we've been doing multiple days a week. So uh, we've had a lot of positive feedback about it, Coach. And like you said, it's, for us, it's, you know, we're taping the same kind of thing, and we're, we're talking in the same way, just the way we distribute it. We're trying to make it a little more convenient for people, and 
so far people seem to like it. I agree, and if uh, it's better for our listeners, and it's better for all of us, and uh, I'm glad we're able to uh, do it the way they like it. Yeah. Um, well, Coach, I wanted to jump into a few questions, uh, some topics that came up, and I, let's talk about the running game, I guess, first. Tarek wrote in, he said, do you believe Justin Davis uh, can be an every down back, or would you prefer a one-two punch of Davis and perhaps Trey Madden or one of the incoming freshmen? It seems to work quite well for Alabama with Mark Ingram. It seemed to work quite well for Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy, Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, and TJ Yeldon and Derrick Henry. And this coming year with Derrick Henry and incoming freshman Damian Harris. That's from Tarek. No, I do. I really do think they can be a one-two punch with Madden and Davis or Madden and Jones or whoever the two best backs uh, are. And uh, one reason uh, Alabama can do it like this is because Alabama believes in the running game. Their backs carry the football. They depend on the run. They run the football. Everyone knows they're going to run the football before they throw the football. Last year, they got away from that a little bit early in the season, and uh, uh, Nick Saban put a stop to that. He just put a stop to it. He says, hey, this is not who we are. And uh, they slowed down on that, and there was times that uh, they struggled uh, when they thought they were going to throw the ball all the time, and uh, it didn't work for them. But, yes, if you're going to run the football and believe in running the football, you can have a one-two punch. But these guys have got to get reps, and they've got to get turns, and they've got to know that, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to be able to get a feel of the football game. If you only – Run a guy in one play or two plays, and then you make a switch again with another back. And well, you start to have tendencies, first of all, on who's in on what play. And then also the, the guy just gets the feel, and then he's out of the game. He just starts to get loosened up, and he had a good sweat going, and he's out of the game. Doesn't know when he's going to get back in the uh, game. He loses that edge that you have when you play all the time. When you play all the time, you get an edge. You get a feel. You react. Uh, uh, you're into the game. You're focused. It's not like you you turn it on and then you turn it off, and then you turn it on and then you turn it off. You got to turn it on and leave it on. And I think that's one thing you have to do. But yet, if you run the ball a lot, you can use the Lindell White Reggie Bush type of combination, which worked really well for USC. But again, they've got to demonstrate to me that that's their philosophy and what they want to do, Ryan. I'm not sure that's what they want to do. Yeah, we don't really know the identity or the the philosophy. It it seems to change from game to game, and uh, you know, year two, I think there's there's a lot of fan expectations, coach. That there's going to be some stuff that's more defined, maybe more defined on the defensive side as far as uh, being a little bit more aggressive, more defined on the offensive side. Is it going to be, you know, quick running a whole lot of plays against? the Fresno States of the world and the Stanford's not completely different. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, we want to see that kind of identity. And I think this whole coaching staff, the second year, there's a lot, you know, a lot more time under their, uh, you know, under their umbrella. Now they know more of what's going on. And uh, I think the expectations are high that you will see more of an identity with this team this year. You know, Ryan, when, when you make the point, they, they've been around, they'll know more what's going on. Well, you're supposed to know what's going on. <laughs> when you, you really, when you're at USC, you're supposed to know what's going on. I mean, you come to USC, it's one of the premier coaching jobs in the country. You come in with a philosophy, but you know what your philosophy is and how you've won before and how you're going to continue winning. And uh, you don't have a lot of time to figure it out. 
So, you know, you've got to figure this out. You've got to know what your philosophy is. You've got to know what you're going to do this coming year. You've got to believe in what you do. The team's got to believe in what you're going to do, both offensively and defensively. Now this year they're talking about, you know, being more aggressive on defense. Well, did it take a whole year to figure that out? (laughs) I mean, really, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be a sarcastic know-it-all guy. But I'm saying these are the things you figure out during the season when you're having trouble offensively or defensively or in the kicking game or whatever area it is. This last weekend, I watched all of the bowl games. I mean, as many as ESPN ran. I don't know if you did that. I watched a national championship game. I watched all the bowl games because I wanted to, again, review my thoughts on what teams were doing last year in the games and so on. And, I, and you could see a philosophy with most teams. You've got to be able to know what you're trying to accomplish so the kids aren't confused. You're not confused. Your coaching staff's not confused, and you know what you're going to do. If you're going to mix it up on defense, get after people, have fun, play on their side of the football, or whatever. Yesterday, I was in an interview. I won't tell you what uh, staff it was, but we were interviewing with a head coach, a, a coach to come in and coach the defensive line at a, at a university. He wanted me to sit in on it, and, and uh, you know, I just asked him. I mean, what's your philosophy? Do you feel like you can play still? Do you want to get in, play on the other line of the scrimmage? Do you want to have fun? you want to hit somebody yourself? you want to turn your hat around? Hey, a defensive line coach, hey, man, that's a fun position to coach. You get after people there, and you work closely with making sure you take advantage of all of the abilities of your defensive line. I mean, you know by looking at them and watching them play if they can whip the guy in front of them. If they can't whip the guy in front of them, then help them whip the guy in front of him, front of him, you know? So there's different ways of coaching. There's different ways of doing different things. But you got to know what your philosophy is. You don't learn on the job. All right, Coach, well, let's move on to uh, – we've got a voicemail question for you. Uh, here you go. This this guy is a little uh, indecisive on who the question's for. So like I said, we let, we'd love to get your questions, but please be definitive about who the question's to. So here you go. Hi, Dan. This is Al from Fresno. Wanted to ask Dan and the coach a question about these uh, transfers uh, that are going on in college football. Is this a trend, a, a new trend, or is it something that I just never paid attention to? Um, also, at USC, we lost receivers and tight ends. Uh, is that a sign that we are not putting all of our players on the field? Uh, I seen last year that we were uh, a three-dog pony. I mean, a, a three-dog show with two receivers and one running back. Uh, how can we maximize our potential uh, and use all of our players if we're targeting and two receivers and using the running back sparingly? Thank you. Fight on. All right. The first half of that question is uh, transferring becoming a trend. Uh, well, uh, so everyone understands the rule. If you graduate and you still have athletic eligibility left, yes, you can leave the university and go to another university and be immediately eligible. Do I like that or don't do I like it? Well, as a football coach, I don't like it. Here you uh, bring a kid along. You make sure he graduates, which you're supposed to do academically. You're supposed to do all the things you're supposed to do to make this kid be a well-rounded individual, accomplish his goals. And after he accomplishes goals academically and you expect him to be there for his senior year, he says, I'll see you later. Now, To me, as a football coach, I don't think that shows much loyalty. Now, maybe the other team you're going to is a better football team, but this demonstrates to me it's more me than us or we because you're more concerned about what's best for me when I leave. Uh, If I go to this school, I go to that school, like Russell Wilson went to Wisconsin. It was great for him. 
uh, and he was immediately eligible. Now, don't get me wrong. These kids are not doing something that the NCAA doesn't allow them to do. So they're taking advantage of the rules, so I can't blame them. But when I look at the purpose of this rule and why you put this rule in, I don't understand why you allow someone, after you've done what you're supposed to do with a young student-athlete, be able to say, I'll see you later. And uh, this is normally one of your better players, and he's gone. You don't even have to release him. He's gone. Now, I can see transfers happening when a kid is in over his head or a kid wants to go to another school, but really you as a coaching staff made a mistake that this kid isn't good enough to play for you. And he comes in and he sits down and says, Coach, I love the program, but I want to play. And I'm never going to play here, and you know I'm not going to play here. I could come every day to practice. And there's kids that want to play football. A degree is important to them, but playing football is also important to them. So they come to you and say, Coach, do you mind? I'd like to transfer. I don't know where I'm going, but would you release me? Now I can see that, two people working together. And I say, you're right, I was wrong. Because I forecast you as a certain ability that you could help us. And uh, you gave me 100% when you were here. You didn't cause me any problems. Why shouldn't I help this kid? So I'll tell this kid, you know, anything I can do, you tell me what school you want to go to. I'll call that coach myself, tell him we're going to release you. If you want to move down and play at a different level, we'll do everything we have to do to help you move on. Not block his progress. Help him, and that kid down the road will help you because he'll tell other students and other parents and other coaches see this, that, hey, if a kid can't play there, this, these coaches will help you. But as far as just uh, you know, transferring one of my uh, players because we're not going to be very good, okay? We're not going to be very good next year, and this kid is a tight end or this kid is a quarterback or running back, and he says, you know, I'm better off going to a school that's better to me, that's more of a me move than it is a team move or us move. While this university has invested in me for four years, has made sure I graduated, has paid all my meals and housing and everything else, and after I accomplish that, I tell them, see you later. To me, that really doesn't have a good flavor in it. I mean, to the university either, would you really be happy if you were a coaching staff or or a university? Does that kid still have the same credibility with you as he did if he stayed? I don't think so. So I think you have to think of all those things before you do that. And I think you have to be a coach or a coaching staff or a parent or whatever to know exactly what that feels when someone leaves you after you have raise them to be at a point of their life where they can leave, but they decide to stay. I think that's the best way to answer that, Ryan. And I, you know, Coach, I think there's some good points there, but I think that the system is so against the student-athlete that if there's one aspect where they do everything that's asked of them, they graduate, uh, and then they can move on and play somewhere else if they want to, I don't have an issue with that. You know, I mean, I, I think there's different reasons, like you mentioned, Sometime, it, you know, like Taylor McNamara is a transfer coming to USC from Oklahoma. He really wasn't doing much there. USC really needs tight end depth. It's kind of like a free agency thing, I guess. It seems like it'll probably work out well for both parties. Uh, but like something like Russell Wilson, he really, you know, leaving North Carolina State. I, was, I think it was North Carolina State and going to Wisconsin and, and helping them there and, uh, you know, making a great run. 
you know, we'll see, you know, Vern Adams is a D2 guy going up to Oregon. Uh, I think there's different aspects where it could be a star player and sometimes it could be just a guy that's not, you know, doing a whole lot and it's kind of work out for them. But there's so many rules, Coach, that seem to limit what the student-athlete can do. That's why I don't have a problem. Like, if there's something that can actually help them, uh, I don't have an issue with it. Well, it all started with the Lon Kruger rule. Uh, Lon Kruger's son was playing at uh, Arizona State. It was a basketball. He was a senior. He graduated and transferred to UNLV and played for his dad. That was the first time it happened. And uh, since then, uh, a lot of kids now are doing it. You see it all the time. So uh, there's both sides of looking at it. You have your interpretation. I have my interpretation as far as a coach on my side of it. You have your interpretation regarding how you feel as far as a young man. And the NCAA sets the guidelines and allows them to do this. So uh, if they have it and they want to take advantage of it and they look at all the uh, things that are surrounding it, then do it. Uh, but uh, as a coach, uh, I wouldn't uh, really, uh, unless, unless that player is one that, like, you think Oklahoma's happy that uh, McNamara's transferring to USC? I mean, if he's not going to play, I don't think, you know, if he wasn't really. Well, if really... he can't play at Oklahoma, how is he going to play at SC? Well, they did. Yes. I would hope SC would line up and kick <laughs> Oklahoma's butt. <laughs> right. I No, I he wasn't really getting much play time. They probably could certainly use him as depth on the team. And for, for USC, they just don't have a lot of bodies there, which I guess. Well, you don't need bodies at SC. You need players. Yeah. Well, I think that's. Now, I'm not saying this kid isn't a player. I hope this player comes. But this, this Connor, Connor Spears, what's his name to tie it in the walk-on Connor kid? Connor Spears, yeah. I'm going to tell you, that kid can play. You watch. He is. Yeah, we watched him this summer. He's you watch that well. kid play, okay? Um, and then you tell me later about it. And, well, and the second part of the question, Coach, was about. Um, that SC lost, you know, like wide receivers and and tight ends, and I don't. It's nothing. I don't. I don't. I think he was referring to, is it because of the scheme? I don't really feel it was because of the scheme. I mean, the tight end situation has been more about, uh, you know, off the field issues sort of stuff, and then you know, wide receivers. You talk about guys leaving early for the NFL. That's not, um, you know, anything because of the scheme. Nelson Aguilar left because he could be a, a high draft pick and, and make a lot of money. So, um, I I don't think that. Scheme-wise, from what the question, you know, from what he was talking to, I believe that's what he's referring to, uh, is why that USC lost some tight ends and wide receivers recently. No, I, I don't think that's the reason. Uh, currently, USC's tight ends are receivers first. I mean, uh, when I look at the size of the players and what they're doing with the players as far as the tight end, they aren't an Ohio State. They're not a Nebraska. They're not an Alabama type of tight end. I mean, these guys are receivers before they are blockers. You're not going to run off tackle and pull your center, pull your guards and run off tackle unless you've got a tight end that can block. So right now, currently, their philosophy as far as tight ends at USC is get a guy 6'4", 6'5", 230, 240 pounds. It's a, a large receiver, but a receiver before a blocker. Now, it would be nice to turn a receiver into a blocker, but I'd rather turn a blocker into a receiver. Uh, when you have a tight end, I'd like to line up and kick somebody's butt on the line of scrimmage, then at the same time became a great mismatch receiver too. So there's different philosophies, and this is why I say I'm not quite sure. And this is just my opinion on the philosophy at USC offensively. Are they a running team or a passing team? Currently right now I feel their philosophy is to pass the football with the type of personnel that they have a tight end. Yeah, and uh, there's unfortunately there's not a lot of personnel at tight end. Um, 
there, you know, watching the practices this summer, Coach, you see Connor Spears, who's a walk-on, and you see Caleb Wilson, who's an incoming freshman walk-on, who maybe weighs like 220 or so right now. Um, great at catching the football, but looks more like a wide receiver at this point. He's going to have to grow into the position. But there's, I, I, I mean, I think the whole philosophy, like you talk about, how many tight ends do they have? Or the, when the fullbacks go, how many fullbacks are you going to have? Or how are you going to use those fullbacks? It's it seems like that position they're ever you know they're very thin at that position. But is that why they're not used as much, or is it they're not used as much because they're thin? It's it, I, mean, I don't know. It's very, it's very interesting to see what's going to go forward from that spot. How they're going to recruit that position because um, they just seem to to miss on some guys, especially at tight end, or or have some guys fall out of the favor. And now you're just kind of stuck with there's really just not a lot of people there to play. No, they're going to quit recruiting fullbacks. They don't use fullbacks. They don't use Vanuku or they don't use Pinner. They might use them on special teams. But uh, they they don't uh, run a two-back offense, and, and they don't uh, block with their tight end. So there's really, right now, currently, uh, you can't run the football effectively without a great tight end and where you can use two backs. So, uh, you know, they just pitch down inside and they don't run outside very often. So it's very difficult to do that. So uh, uh, that's why I'm saying without a blocking tight end and without utilizing your fullback, you're basically a one-back set and you're going to throw the football. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, we had a comment from Teresa. She said – well, actually, it was, it was – I'm sorry. It was from Teresa's email, but it's from Jeff and El Segundo. So maybe it's his wife's account or something. He's, uh, he said, Jeff El Segundo, he said, about two months ago I sent a comment to you in which I complimented you – he's talking about you, Coach Hyde – for your thoughts that go beyond football analysis. After Ryan mentioned this to you, I believe that uh, you perhaps misunderstood my comment for thanking you for expressing your heartfelt thoughts, such as calling a friend during the holidays. Coach Hyde, you are a special sports analyst. So that's from Jeff. Well, I want to tell her thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, anytime I can answer a question for you, right or wrong, depending on how I interpret it, I'll be happy to answer it. And if I don't answer it properly, you just call me up and say, hey, coach, you weren't listening. Listen to the play <laughs> and then run the play call. Okay? <laughs> Sounds good. So it was Teresa or Jeff or maybe from both of them, but he sent it from Jeff. So thanks for that one. And then one of the things we wanted to uh, – we'll end the show on, Coach. Um, when when A lot of people like when you're on the show talking about your experience as a, as a D1 head coach and how that kind of uh, you know applies to different aspects of – the game today uh, there's always kind of stories like hey you know i had the the players run stairs after whatever and it worked and it was great now that you know everyone loved it um but we were kind of talking off the air last week were there other some like kind of great ideas that you had that you talked about like oh you know oh i thought that we'd have the players all jumping in an ice bath and it just was a disaster it just didn't work at all and you had to say no we're gonna we're, we're scratching that that's not gonna work out well you know uh there's a lot of things I'll have to think about it. Uh, we talk sometimes off the air about things that's happened during my coaching career. There's a lot of things that's happened. And there's a lot of things that have been good, and there's some things that didn't work. But some of the funny stories are things that happened behind the scenes. I remember going to my receivers. I had met this uh, ballet teacher at school. She had a class at uh, UNLV, and we were talking about balance. We were talking about stretching. We were talking about flexibility, and she told me that, she would bet her ballet dancers we could uh, 
stretch and do and balance and everything better than my receivers and defensive backs and so on. And I said, maybe, maybe not. So what I did, it was a half-unit class, and they can always use a half-unit class of A, I hope. And uh, I told them all, I told the academic advisor to sign them all up for ballet. Now, this isn't, isn't my lineman. So, coach, what is this? We're making us do this and go to ballet. And, you know, they would go on and on and on. I'd tell them, go in there. So uh, when they signed up and when they went in there, when she arrived the first day in her leotards, that's one class they never missed. Never missed that class. And I really believe it helped them uh, as far as their balance and and some of the things they did, they never complained about it. I would go by and secretly watch them in the class. There was no fooling around. They had all the respect for her that uh, you could have. Uh, it was absolutely wonderful. She became good friends with them and uh, cheered for them and came to the games. That was something that worked and nobody knows about. With, and you might laugh about it when I said I did it. And I, I wondered if it would work myself. But it seemed to work out. And then I remember uh, once... Uh, Kid kept dropping the ball. Kid kept dropping the ball all the time. I said, why does he drop the ball as a receiver? So I, I thought I was standing talking with our ophthalmologist on the sideline. He says, Coach, I don't think he sees the ball. And I said, you kidding me? Let's have his eyes checked. So we had his eyes checked, and his eyes, his vision, was really he only was seeing the football right when it got there. He didn't see it coming to him. He saw it right when he got there. So... Then what I started to do is get all the receivers, all the defensive backs, I got all their eyes checked all the time. And at that time, contact lenses were big. I, I'm sure it still is. And some players wore goggles at that time. I remember Eric Dickerson wore goggles. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, the kids started catching the football and doing those type of things, which was really great. I mean, sometimes you, you, you something's right in front of you, and you don't even realize that it's not the kid trying to drop the ball, but he didn't see the ball coming. Then I remember uh, uh, we were in uh, Albuquerque, and uh, we were playing the University of New Mexico. And uh, I, it just poured, just rained and poured the entire game. I mean, it was terrible. And we had a charter, as you normally do, and on our charter we always uh, took boosters with us, uh, maybe 20 boosters or whatever, so I was sitting up there. I, head coach always sits. Oh, well, I always sit on the first seat. We have assigned seating. And uh, I remember sitting there, and we lost that football game in the rain. I, I remember this. I remember sitting there, and I was down, of course, and these people kept coming on, coming on, coming on. And I started to think that we were really loaded coming up there. And Albuquerque's got a high altitude up there. And, and they were loading the plane. You could hear them loading the plane with the equipment. And, and in those days, we didn't haul our stuff in trucks. They were loading the plane, loading the plane. And I remember telling the stewardess, I said, you know, our gear has got to weigh twice as much as what it weighed when we came here because it's all wet now. And if obviously now no one thought of that. So she went up and told the, the pilot that. And the pilot came back to me and says, well, he says, we've got to figure this out. You're exactly right, but it takes us a longer uh, runway and farther to go up here because the air is thinner, and we've got to do it. So it ended up that they had figured out the weight, and and I remember the stewardess or Ike going on the phone or somebody, the athletic director, saying, 
uh, we are overweight on our flight. We need to have 20 volunteers get off the flight. And you can't believe all whatever boosters, they couldn't wait to get up and get off that flight. <laughs> it just was really funny in a way. And uh, it's just a funny thing. Now, what if I hadn't have thought of that? Not that we wouldn't have made it. But it's a funny story of, of how little things sometimes can get overlooked. And uh, and uh, everything worked out well. They came back the next day. We got home safely. Everything was cool. But little things like uh, rain and, and forgetting that you're, you're way more going back to when you came. and uh, Just little things. I don't know. I can go on and on and on as far as coaches and talking to coaches on their philosophy of how they coach. And, and Randall Cunningham and how he played and how we coached him and other players. It's uh, absolutely, uh, there's so many stories I could go on and on and on as far as recruiting. And, uh, geez, Barry Switzer used to recruit in a limo. He used to pull up in people's house in his limo. I used to pull up in my Chevy, too. <laughs> and, uh, and convince the kid that you'd be better off going to a school like ours rather than uh, a bigger school and be a, a big fish in a small pound and play right away and it worked sometimes but it didn't but the number one thing that I didn't want to get everyone all I wanted to do was get my share of kids who wanted a chance to play and become part of a program that was building itself not one that was already there and uh, we enjoyed it had great experiences uh, I love my kids that played for me I see them all the time I can tell you every single kid almost their jersey number where they were from, uh, when I run into them at all these different spots, it is just great. To be a coach is, is really a great experience, and I hope that everyone ex- has the same feeling with their job as far as looking forward to going to work. I, I, I was telling that coach last night, I was saying, what other people do you know that can't wait to get up in the morning and go to work? I mean, really get up in the morning and go to work, but you love what you do. And I said, if you feel that way, then you, you'll be a coach forever, and you, you continue with that same desire and that same drive. You put a game plan together. And like I tell you on this show, uh, when you become uh, and you leave the game, game day is every day. Every day, all of us get up, it's game day. Ryan, it's game day for you today. It's game day for me. It's game day for all of our listeners out there because it's how you perform. At the end of the day, did you win today? Or did you lose today? And I think that's what it's all about. So, And that's the way I practice my life, and, and that's the way I try to do things. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Just don't put my name on a piece of stationery because my name's on there. If my name's on that piece of stationery, I want to make sure I'm doing my part. So uh, I guess I'll let you go. I'm sorry I rambled on on that so long. No, but, that's uh, good, Coach. It's uh, really interesting stuff. And if people have questions, you can always email us if you have questions about coach or some some of his different philosophies it's always interesting to hear uh stuff that works stuff that didn't and just kind of great stuff there but coach we appreciate it you can follow him on twitter at coach harvey hyde thanks again for coming on thank you very much and uh, have a great one everyone all right you've been listening to the peristyle podcast thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time tickets 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 sc tickets is your concert sports and theater ticket source we have the tickets you need to any event worldwide Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 